word and to hear a testimony, God, I pray um, that your Holy Spirit would just make us alive again on the inside, Lord. Just fill us with your spirit. Give us wisdom and insight. Help us, Father, to um, be dedicated to the words of our master, our savior, to be disciples of his and to, um, to be the light that you've called us to be in this world around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Just want to introduce you to a, a friend that I met last yesterday. I was working at Motel 6, and um, he came in to rent a room. He's just passing through, and uh, he filled me up with a lot of uh, wisdom, uh, godly wisdom, and he has so much to tell, and so I just had to invite him to church. And so, uh, by God's ways, he's here, and he is going to speak. And so I introduce everyone to to Jay. Is this working? I think so. Um, uh, can everybody hear me? Everybody, can everybody hear me? Is there a way to turn it up? He's, he's back there. Okay, he's turning it up. A little, little bit more? Okay, all right. Praise God. Well, I wasn't expecting this. And you know what? <laughs> and that's the best way to do it because, you know, I've done street ministry. I've done so many different things. I can remember the first time doing street ministry, which was in Washington, D.C. back in 2007, because the Lord sent me up there. I actually lived up there for two and a half years. Never paid a penny to live anywhere. God provided everything that I needed while I was there. But it's a long story. Became a believer in 2001, listening to the Bible on CD, driving across the country as a truck driver. Had a supernatural experience out in the middle of the desert of Wyoming where the power of the Holy Spirit came on me and it was like being plugged into a huge electrical transformer for about 45 minutes. It was just absolute pure power. I mean, when it happened, at first it was scary because I had no idea what was going on because I tried calling people and asked people, "Have, have you ever experienced anything like this? And I couldn't find anybody that had. It was just something for me, I guess, you know. But after I got to reading the Bible and, and saying it says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon a man, it comes upon him with power, love, and a sound mind. And believe me, it was powerful. It changed the way I thought because he said love and a sound mind. And... To other people, it looks like you don't have a sound mind. They think you're crazy. They think, that guy, that guy's crazy. I mean, he's hearing voices now, telling him to do things. So to the world, I was looked upon as being crazy. But I've never been more sound-minded in my life. I mean, to see things from a biblical perspective now, instead of looking at it from a worldly perspective, it's totally different. But anyway, how this, how this craziness came about. In 2003, went on vacation with my mom back up to Indiana, which is where I was born. And we were staying at my cousin's house, and my cousin's wife's mother comes over for dinner. And she hands me a book 
that was written by a man called Gerald Durstein, which founded a church down in Florida, which I now live at that church. It's a church community property. They have a church there. They have a hotel there. It's a big conference center where different uh, speakers come year-round. Uh, we celebrate the biblical feast days there, which in October we'll be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles from the 9th to the 16th. And we have speakers like Jonathan Kahn, which all of y'all probably know Jonathan Kahn. He comes there. He's going to be there next month also. And I read this book, and somewhere around 2003, 2004, I read this book, and I was so moved by the book, I read the whole book in three days. I couldn't put it down. And so I go visit this church for the first time. Set through the service. After the service was over, I walked up and was talking to the pastor. And the pastor there now that is the son of the man that found it, his name is Phil Durstein. And I walked up and I started talking to him. And I told him, I said, I read your dad's book and I just felt like y'all were my family. And so I needed to come visit. And so he says, well, let's pray. And so he prays with me, and he says, God's going to show you something in a dream or a vision within the week of what he wants you to do. And I'm like, okay. Now, this was the first time I'd ever been in a prophetic church, and so this was just totally different to me. I had no idea what this guy was talking about. And so I go out to my van. I had a one-ton Chevy van at the time. I climbed up in that van, and as soon as I climbed up in there, I got so tired I could not stay awake. And so I climbed, I just jumped in, you know, had a bench seat like this. So I just jump in the bench seat and fall asleep. When I fell asleep, the Lord takes me out of my physical body. And he takes me to the front entrance of this church community. And they have a sign out there that said, Christian Retreat, Christian Community. And the Lord's standing there next to me and he asked me, he says, how do you know these people are Christians? I says, because I read the sign. Instantly, I wake up. But he put in my spirit that he wanted me to display on my body that I was a follower of him. And so for six months, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I says, because every time I make a mistake, it's going to be a reflection on you. And so for six months, we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Finally, I just throw my arms up and I said, all right, I'll do it. So I go, find me a printer, tell them what I want to do. And they said, well, if you get at least 12 or whatever you're going to do, then you don't have to pay an extra setup fee for what's on the back. And so I'm like, okay, so I'll make up 48 shirts, four different biblical phrases, Jesus on the front. And I go and I pick the shirts up, and I start driving away. And the Lord says, all right, start giving them away. I'm like, wow, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and so, still working, still driving a truck, except for this time I'm driving locally. I had been working one day, and I got done working, and I stopped at a McDonald's. I was in Orlando, Florida. I stopped at a McDonald's. And I go walking in, and I had a Jesus shirt on, because that was my uniform from that point on. That's, this is all I wear. I don't wear anything else. No matter if I'm going to a funeral, a wedding, going to court, uh, it doesn't matter. This is what I wear. I go walking in the door. There was three teenage boys standing at the counter at this McDonald's. 
And they see my shirt and they go, oh, wow, I love that shirt. I said, you want one? And he says, yeah, how much are they? I said, they're free. <sighs> they got all excited. So I go out and I get them three shirts. Come in, give them their shirts. The rest of their Bible study class shows up. I had enough shirts to give them all a shirt. Now, these were all teenage kids. One of the girls says, I'm going to wear mine to church or to school tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah. And then the rest of them says, well, if you're going to wear yours, I'm going to wear mine too. So this whole group was going to wear their Jesus T-shirts to school. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. So then that just got me all excited. So I just start making more and I start making more and I start making more and I start making more. Well, in 207, the Lord tells me to make up a carload of Jesus t-shirts and go to Washington, D.C. and pass them out on the streets of D.C. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So I make up 500 shirts, get in my car. Now, I showed some people already my car. At the time, I had a Chrysler PT Cruiser it was a white one, had Jesus in big block letters like this on both sides, uh, different stuff in the windows and on the hood. And so anyway, I get, get in this car, and I head to D.C., and I get up there, and I go to the National Mall. Everybody familiar with D.C.? Everybody knows what the National Mall is? It's just the big park around the... Uh, where the Capitol building and the, the Lincoln Monument and all that stuff is. So that was where I was going, and I was driving around this loop trying to find a place to park to pass out these Jesus T-shirts, and I'm driving around, driving around, driving around. Couldn't find a place to park. So I finally went down by the Potomac River, and I found a place to park, and I had made up these little signs to stick in the windows that said, Free Jesus Shirts. And I'm sticking these things in the windows of my car, and one of them double-decker buses pulls up, and they see me putting those signs in the windows. So people start hollering, I want a shirt, I want a shirt, I want a shirt. So I gave away maybe 15 shirts at that point, and I'm thinking, okay, it's getting better. So now i got my signs in the windows, so I start driving around and driving around, driving around again. Still couldn't find a place to park. So I started getting frustrated, and I said, Lord, did you really send me up here? Because this just ain't working out. And he says, well, go have some lunch and then come back and try after lunch. I'm like, okay, that'll work. So I go down I-395, which takes you past the Pentagon. I go a few more exits past the Pentagon. I go and have lunch. After having lunch, I pull out. And as soon as I pulled out on the street, there was a Hess gas station on my right-hand side. So I looked out my gas gauge, and I thought, well, if I'm going to get stuck just driving around that circle, I guess I better get some gas. So I pull in this gas station. And some guy pulls in behind me. And he comes up and he says, uh, Hey, do you know uh, Gary Hannikin? I'm like, No. He says, Well, he's got a PT cruiser like you with Jesus all over it, like what you got on your car. And he goes around giving away free Jesus t shirts, like what you're doing. I said, You're kidding. I said, You wouldn't happen to have his phone number, would you? Well, he'd only met him one time at some sort of Christian event there in D.C., but he got his phone number. So he gives me the phone number, <laughs> and so I start heading on into D.C., and I call this brother. 
And I said, hey, my name's so-and-so. I'm from Florida. I got a PT cruiser with Jesus all over it. The Lord sent me up here to pass out Jesus T-shirts on the streets. And he goes, no way. (laughs) So we talked for a little while. And we plan on meeting later on that evening. Now, he lives, he lives in a town called Glen Burnie, Maryland, which is uh, about 30 miles north of D.C. It's just below Baltimore. So we plan on meeting later on that day. Get off the phone with him. I call my mother. Now, my mother was a total atheist non-believer until the Lord got a hold of me. My sister was an unbeliever. Till the Lord got a hold of me. At one point, they were wanting to have me committed because they thought I was crazy. <laughs> but now, they are all believers. Amen. I personally got to baptize my own sister. I personally got to baptize my own mother. So God has really worked in our family because of what he's done with me. And so, anyway, I tell my mother, I call my mother and I tell her, that there's another guy with the same kind of car doing the same thing as me. And she says, no way. There can't be two of you. (laughs) I get off the phone with her. I call another sister from the church I was attending in Mount Dora, Florida at the time. And I'm telling her about it. And I get stuck. right, Right as I get to talking to her on the phone, I get stuck in this massive traffic jam right in front of the Pentagon. And it was one of those ones where you come to a complete stop, you move about two feet, and you stop again. And so this just kept going on while I'm talking to this woman on the phone. And then finally she says, well, how's it going giving away the Jesus T-shirts? And just as soon as she said that, I said, you know what? I said, this would be a good place to give them away right in the middle of this traffic jam. As soon as those words came out of my mouth, the girl in the car next to me gets my attention. So I roll in the window. She says, can I get a T-shirt? I said, what size? She says, large. Well, the large was right behind the driver's seat, so I just grabbed it and tossed it out the window to her. Well, the girl in the car behind her saw me do that. So she gets up there. She says, can I get one, too? I says, what size? She says, medium. I says, well, hang on. i got to pull over. The mediums are all the way in the back. So I pull over on the shoulder right from the Pentagon now. I opened up the back hatch of my car, and it was like a shark-feeding frenzy. (laughs) Every car that was coming was yelling, large, small, medium. And I'd run back the car, run back across. I'm running across four lanes of traffic, giving away all these Jesus T-shirts. Gave away all those T-shirts in less than an hour. Every one of them. Now, that was exciting. That was really exciting. Uh, I come back. About a month and a half later, except for this time with a thousand shirts, because that was so much fun. That night, I go in and meet Brother Gary. Just as soon as we saw each other, we just grabbed each other, hugged each other. I mean, we just knew we, I mean, we were brothers. And so he says, anytime you want to come up, he says, you're welcome to stay here at my place. So now I had a place to come. A month and a half later, I come up there. And I was just going to go straight to Gary's house. I wasn't going to go to D.C. that day. I wasn't planning on going to D.C. that day. I was going to wait until the next day. I was just going to go to Brother Gary's, get some sleep, come in the next morning and hit D.C. again. Well, it didn't work out that way. I got on the north side of the loop around D.C., and I get stuck in a massive traffic jam. 
And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, God's going to do the same thing he did last time. So I pulled over on the shoulder, and I get my signs, and I stick them in the windows, and I'm just sitting there waiting. And it was like I was invisible. Nobody, it's like nobody even saw the car. They didn't see me. They didn't see nothing. So, okay, well, this ain't going to work. So I get back in the car. And I'm driving in this massive traffic jam for a little while, and I, get, I just finally got tired of that. So I jumped off, jumped off the highway, and I just started heading south. Well, I ended up right in the middle of central D.C. again. <laughs> Here we go. So I stopped at a McDonald's. And I stopped at the McDonald's because I had to use the restroom so bad. And so I go walking. I'm starting to walk past the counter, heading around to the back where the restrooms are in the McDonald's. And somebody stops me and says, oh, I love that shirt. I said, you want one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I says, meet me out in that car. i got to go to the restroom. Walked away from them. Somebody else stopped me. Walked away from them. Somebody else stopped me. Walked away from them. Somebody else stopped me. I finally threw my arms up. I said, please, can I just go to the restroom? I said, y'all meet me out in that car. By the time I got out of the car, there was probably 30 people in line waiting to get a shirt. Before I got out of that McDonald's, I had already given away 500 of those 1,000 shirts in a McDonald's parking lot in D.C. A woman there begged me to come to her church the next morning, which her church was even deeper into central D.C. And so I got to give away the other 500 right there on the street the next day. And that's just the start of that. The Lord ended up moving me to D.C. I lived there for two and a half years, just doing it full time. Run to Florida, get another load of shirts, come back up, hit the streets. And I'd give them away at all kinds of places. I'd go to Christian bookstores, just hand them a few bags of shirts and say, here, give these away. And just all over D.C. And what was the cool part about it is, you know, I'd be out driving around in my car and see somebody walking down the street with a Jesus shirt on I'm like, wow, this is cool. Uh, in 2011, the Lord sent me to Israel for the first time. And at the time, I didn't have the money to go there. I didn't have the money to go there the second time he sent me either. But uh, I went over to my mom's house after the Lord had told me to, that he wanted me to go. Brother Gary the other brother with the other PT cruiser, he calls me like on a, I guess a Tuesday. I think it was on a Tuesday. He calls me out and he says, Lord, send me to Israel again. He says, I'm flying out Monday. You want to go? <laughs> now, Gary, he's just real straightforward. He just gets right to the point. Boom. This is what we're doing. And I said, brother, I'd love to go, but I don't have the money to go there. And he says, well, just pray about it. If the Lord wants you to go, he'll make a way. Okay. So I prayed about it. Go over to my mom's house, and the uh, Lord wanted me to go for a walk so he could just talk to me. So I go for a walk around the neighborhood, and, and he's just telling me he wants me to go. And he tells me that whenever I go over there, you're going to do a lot of walking. I'm like, okay. So I go back to my mom's house, and I said, Lord's want me to go to Israel. And she says, well, can you go pray for my neighbor? She's having problems with her knees. Uh, she says, can you go pray for her before you go? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go down to the neighbor's house and uh, lay hands on her and pray for her. 
and tell her that the Lord's sending me to Israel. And she says, well, here, let me give you some money for your trip. Okay. So this woman writes me a check for 60 bucks. I'm, so I called Brother Gary up, and I said, well, I guess I'm going, because I told him what had just happened. I said, don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm going to go. <laughs> so I had to be up in the Baltimore area because we, uh, we were flying out of Dallas International Airport in D.C. And so I had to be up there. And so I planned on leaving Thursday, drive Thursday, Friday, and I would be there. And then Saturday I was going to go to this uh, Sabbath-keeping church that I used to attend in Hyattsville, Maryland at the time. Uh, well, part of the churches that I was attending in D.C. while I was up there. And so get in the car and I start driving up there, and I call a brother, another truck driver, brother in Christ, that I had met through my years of driving trucks. And I told him the Lord sent me to Israel, and I said, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it, but he's telling me to go. And he says, uh, he says well, I got 20 bucks I can give you if, if we uh, cross paths. Well, I was on I-77 heading up towards Charlotte, North Carolina. He was on uh, I-85 headed south into Charlotte. But he was about an hour and 15 minutes ahead of me. And so I said, ah, don't worry about it. It's only 20 bucks. Well, when he gets to Charlotte, he gets stuck in a massive traffic jam that held him up for an hour and 15 minutes. So we get there at the same time, and he gives me 20 bucks. So, so far, I've got 80 bucks that I didn't do anything for. I stay at a friend's house, another brother in Christ that I met through truck driving. I stayed at his house. They fed me, gave me a place to sleep. He hands me $20 as I head out the door the next morning. So now I've got $100 that I didn't do anything for. As I'm heading up I-77, I call another brother in Christ that drives a truck and tell him the Lord sent me to Israel. Well, he happens to be on I-81, which was where I was headed. I was going to go up I-81 and go in I-66 in D.C. <laughs> he is on I-81 taking a 34-hour reset it's, it's where you reset your logbooks to get all your hours back. So he was sitting there for 34 hours. So I stopped, had lunch with him. He gives me $50. I didn't ask for nothing. God just kept providing it. So now I've got $150 that I didn't do anything for. I get up to Gary's house, and I tell him I'm going to go to this Sabbath church on Saturday. And so I go there, and... They invite me to get up and speak because I had a supernatural testimony to share with them. I had hurt my back, uh, pinched nerve or whatever. And I couldn't walk for three days. During that three days, it, it was the funnest time, one of the funnest times I ever had with the Lord because he just talked to me the whole time while I was laid out. You know, I fasted the whole time, didn't need anything. Uh, Ended up going to church, having them anoint me with oil, and I went from not being able to walk to standing up and jumping. I mean, it just instantly, the Lord just healed my back. And so I'm sharing this testimony with this church up there. And I told them that uh, I was flying out money going to Israel. Well, the pastor's wife comes up there, and she's all teary-eyed. And she says, I really feel that the Lord wants us to take up an offering for his trip. 
Brother Gary, he has his own business, uh, the business called Heat Tape Solutions. And what they do is they install heat tape on water plumbing up in the cold states to keep from freezing up. Makes really good money. He buys everything on a credit card that gives him frequent flyer miles. And so he flies all over the world giving away Jesus T-shirts because he gets to fly there for free. The tickets that he got us to go to Israel cost $6,000. It was beyond first class. I mean, the seats that, that you sat in, you push a button and it would lay completely down into a bed. You had your own television. It was, it was like in cubicles. You were there by yourself. So you got to rest all the way over to Israel. And they fed you, I think, three times on the way over on the first plane. Then when you got off the plane, you go to this, this club where they got this full buffet where you got to eat again and then get on the plane and eat three more times. I well, ate so much. Whew. But anyway... Those plane tickets, the only thing that he has to pay is the taxes on it. So I had to come up with $568 to pay the taxes for this plane ticket. Well, I didn't have 568 bucks. After sharing that testimony, pastor's wife says, we need to take up an offering. They took up an offering. It was $574. <laughs> so, so it played for the plane ticket. While I was in D.C., that was when the Lord had me get my uh, passport for the first time. And that was so funny because when he had me get the passport, I had no permanent place of residence. I had no job. And he tells me to get this passport. So I fill out this passport, and first thing it asks for is place of residence. I put no residence at this time. It asked what my occupation was. I put serving the Lord. It asked who my boss was. I put Jesus. <laughs> I, sent that, I sent that application in and got it back approved in less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. <laughs> so when I get to Israel, <laughs> uh, me and Brother Gary were going to different places. We went to uh, Nazareth. We went to Cana, uh, Tiberias, which is on the Sea of Galilee, uh, Jerusalem, of course. <laughs> but when we get to Tiberias, the Lord tells me he wants me to go for a walk. And he tells me, take no extra clothing, no money, just go. I'm like, okay, so here we go. Walking down the Sea of Galilee, you come to the Jordan River, and then you can start walking down the Jordan River, and it takes you th through a lot of farm area in Israel. And so I'm walking down through there and walking down through there, and I finally get to a point where it comes out to a paved road, and then there's this big electric fence that's running along this little side road. And when I first got to that, it was just starting to get, not dark yet, but it was dusk. And this was in uh, March, 
of uh, 2011. And so it's still cold at night. It's still getting cold. And the only thing I had was a light jacket that says Jesus is Lord on the back. So I'm trying to find some place, you know, a little cave or something to get in and, you know, try to get out of the cold. And so I tried laying down for a little while just in this grassy field. and That didn't work. It got really cold. And so I finally got up and just started walking again. But I walked back over and I started walking along that big electric fence. And I had my shofar on the back, that same one right there in the back. I had the shofar on my back. And I walked along, walked along, and not even thinking about what that fence is. And, you know, from the fence, about 20 foot off the fence, they had this raked dirt. And every now and then I'd walk over in the dirt, wasn't even thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, here comes this military vehicle up over the hill, and the soldiers get out with their M16s, and I'm like... <laughs> And they come over to me, and they're just like, who are you, and what are you doing here? And so that just opened the door to start sharing testimonies with these soldiers. I never had so much fun. At first, they said, we're going to arrest you. We're taking you to jail. And I'm thinking, praise God, they're going to take me to a warm place so I can sleep. (laughs) That's all I was thinking. They're going to take me to a nice place to sleep. (laughs) And so... uh, they got to talking with me, and I says, you know, when you, when you, you know, they want to see my ID and stuff, and I says, when you run that passport, I says, there's not going to be an address attached to it. And they're like, well, why not? And so I share the testimony about that, and I says, that's Homeland Security at its finest. You know, when I said that, that guy started laughing. And from then on, I was sharing testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. But when they, they first stopped me, they says, you know, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I said, the Lord hadn't told me yet. And they said, who? I said, the Lord. They said, who? I said, the Lord. And so they're probably thinking, this guy's just wacko. He's just totally lost his mind. <laughs> and so after I got sharing testimonies with him, testimony after testimony, like I said, I had just laughing, rolling, laughing from sharing all these testimonies with him. Shared had the same one I shared with you about not having any money and how the Lord put me there and and so it was just it was just an amazing, amazing time. In twenty seventeen, I'm on my face on the floor, praying, and the Lord tells me he wants me to go to Israel and live in the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem and clean up trash. And I said, Lord, if that's really you, I'm gonna need a witness on this one. <laughs> and so the next day, I go to church. The church I was attending, they had, uh, uh, you know, the steps just like y'all got. And at the beginning of the service, they would bring all the kids up, the little kids, and somebody in the pastoral staff would share a testimony or a, not, not a testimony, a story. They would share a story that had something biblically based about the story. And so it was the pastor's turn to tell the story, and I happened to be sitting at a seat right where he's going to walk past me. Kids are already up front. pastor starts walking by, and just as soon as he gets to me, he says, oh, I forgot something. So he turns around, and he goes back, and he grabs a trash can full of trash. And he walks up there, and he dumps this trash out on the floor in front of the kids. And he starts asking the kids what pollution is. 
And they start going, well, trash on the ground, and they're just naming all this stuff. And so he tells the story, and when he gets to the moral of the story, he says, as Christians, it's our job to clean this mess up. I said, all right, Lord, there's witness number one. (laughs) After that, a sister that runs a thrift store comes up there, and she starts sharing a testimony that her best friend had a mentally challenged child that she asked if she could babysit this child for a couple days or for a couple hours during the week and she says yeah just bring him up to the store and and I'll watch him there so she gets this kid up there and this kid is just out of control he's just running all over the place getting into everything and so she's not able to deal with the customers because she's chasing this kid around all over the place. So she said she finally just told him to go around and pick up trash, and that got him under control. I said, all right, Lord, there's witness number two, so I guess I'm going to Israel. Well, at that point, from the time he told me that he wanted me to go until the time I had to leave, I had about six months. And so that whole six months, I was praying for a financial blessing so that I wouldn't have to worry about where the money was coming from whenever I got over there and got started cleaning up trash and paying for my cost of living and all this stuff. Got down to last month. Nothing. I'm like, well, I got to get a plane ticket. So I bought a one-way ticket because I had no idea if I was coming back or not. And whenever I go places for the Lord, I don't worry about it. I don't if I come back, I come back. But don't come back, I don't come back. It doesn't matter. Just obeying him was what, what matters. And so I get this one-way ticket. After I get the ticket, I have a dream. Now, this is going to sound really crazy. In this dream, of all things, I'm a frog. And don't think about the frog spirit in Revelation. We're going to stay away from that, but... I'm a frog, and I'm in this deep body of water, swimming along, swimming along, swimming along. And what was weird, I still haven't figured this one out yet, but there was a whole bunch of people swimming behind me. And so I'm swimming along, swimming along. Well, I start to run out of air. But I'm so deep in this body of water, there's no way that I can get to the surface on my own. All of a sudden, this big bag of air floats up in front of me. So I just grab hold of it and it takes me to the surface real quick. I wake up from the dream, and the Lord reminds me what frog means. Anybody know what frog means? Fully relying on God. I said, okay, not going to worry about it. So I went to Israel. I lived there for 90 days cleaning up trash. Every now and then, somebody walk up to me and hand me money and say, the Lord told me to give you this. I never asked anybody for a penny. Not a penny. One time, I was working in the Muslim quarter all the way over on the eastern side. There's this beautiful courtyard. It's got olive trees and stuff in there. But the place is just full of garbage. I mean, it is just horrible. I got pictures on my phone. I wish I had a way to put it on the screen or something to show you how bad it was. 
Well, I had been out there cleaning up this area for three days. Hadn't even put a dent in it. I mean, it was, I was just wore out from cleaning this place up. And so the third day, before I went to bed that night, I was on my knees praying. I said, Lord, I need some help. The next day I go out there, and as soon as I got started, this Muslim man comes down off the Temple Mount, and he sees me clean up trash. And so he walks over to me and says, what are you doing? I says, I'm cleaning up trash. He says, what are you doing that for? I says, because the Lord told me to. He says, where are you from? I said, the United States. He says, you come all the way over here from the United States to clean up trash. I says, that's what he told me to do. He says, well, hang on a minute. I'll get you some help. He goes back up on the Temple Mount, brings eight men down there. We cleaned up that whole thing in a couple hours. Never asked nobody for nothing. Prayed about everything. You know, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Faith. You have to believe that what you ask for, you'll receive it. And a lot of times, I just pray and don't even think about it until it happens. And you go, wait a minute, I prayed about that. It's just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Now, these shirts, you know, he had me start giving them away. Well, I've given away over 20,000 of these things so far. Feast of Tabernacles, which we're fixing to have at my church, they set me up a table there, and I give them away there at the church. And the church that I go to, it's actually a church conference center. Uh, like I say, they've got a hotel there. People from all over the United States, their church groups will come there for a yearly get-together of their big group. And so a lot of time I'm there when one of these big groups get there, and so them shirts just disappear. Just boom, 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 boom. But these shirts are so cool because the Lord has given me so many ways to witness to people. Uh, the actual, the name Jesus is, is actually an acronym. Every letter has a meaning to it. And so he's given me lots of different acronyms. So when somebody says, oh, I love your shirt. And you go, well, you can like this even better. And you ask them, say, you know what this means? And they usually they just start going off with all kinds of crazy things about what it means. And I said, yeah, that's all true. But did you know it was an acronym? And they said, no. I, says, and says, I said, you want to hear it? And they said, yeah. I says, well, starting with the J, justifies every sinner unto salvation. And they go, wow, that's pretty cool. I said, you want to hear another one? Yeah. He's the joy everyone sees us share. And they're like, wow, wow, that's so cool. I said, you want to hear another one? <laughs> yeah. Through the cross, Jehovah saves us. Then you got Jehovah enjoys saving us sinners. Jehovah erases sin under Savior. Jehovah ends sin under Savior. And then for me personally, when he had me start wearing this color, which this color is called safety orange. My name's Jay. Jay enjoys safety 
under Savior. So he can send me to some crazy places and not get killed. When he had me living in D.C., at one point I was living in one of the worst hood neighborhoods in D.C. Terrible place. I mean, I wake up one night to gunshots, look out the back window, and there's a guy dead on the ground right behind the place I was staying there. I mean, it was normal for them to kill each other in there. I went to work for Pizza Hut in my Jesus car. I was making $900 a week delivering pizza. That's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> well, one day, while I, was, while I was living in that neighborhood, he also had me cleaning up trash. Same thing. <laughs> I'm out there cleaning up trash one day, and there's a gang coming down the street. And they come up to me, and their gang leader says, uh, why are you out here cleaning up trash? I says, because the Lord told me to. And he looks at me real funny. He says, the Lord told you to. He goes, was he paying you? I said, no, he's not paying me. He says, you do this for free? I said, no, I do it for the joy of it. I says, I get a lot of joy out of doing this. And he goes, uh, well, why didn't the Lord send you to Georgetown or someplace like that? I says, because he wants me to be here to speak to people like yourself. And he goes, well, the Lord must really be with you. I said, why is that? He says, normally we'd rob a person like you. He says, but I don't have the desire to do anything to you. <laughs> and then one of his gang members says, hey, that's his car down there too. He says, that's your car? I said, yes, sir. He says, no, I know we're not going to mess with you. We're not going to mess with your car either. Well, I lived in that place for about nine months. Nobody ever did anything to him. Cops were scared to death. The first time I ran into a cop while I'm out there cleaning up the street, this cop stops and he says, what are you doing? I says, I'm cleaning up trash. No, 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 no. What are you doing? I says, I'm cleaning up trash. He says, do you know where you're at? I said, yeah, I'm in Washington, D.C. No, 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 no. This place is not safe. You, this ain't a good place for you. I says, I ain't worried about that. The Lord's got my back. And so this, this police officer, he was just scared to death. He says, he says, well, let, let me, I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number. He says, anytime you have a problem, he says, give me a call. I says, if I have a problem, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. And he says, well, he might send us to help you. <laughs> So I had the, the police watching over me. I had the gangs watching over me. I had the church watching over me. I had God's angels watching over me. I'd say I was pretty safe. I'd say I was pretty safe. I don't think there'd be anything to worry about. That same gang, it's funny, about two weeks later, that same gang is coming down the other side of the street, and they see me, and he just beelines right straight to me, puts out his hand, he wants to shake my hand. And he says, if you ever have a problem with anybody in here, you let us know, we'll take care of it. <laughs> oh, but the, uh, back, to the <laughs> back to being in Israel, uh, 
when I went in 2017 and he had me cleaning up trash, you know, for the, for the first three days, I hadn't started cleaning up trash yet. And dressed like this, I couldn't get anybody to give me the time of day. They just, they just shun you. You know, you say good morning, they just ignore you and keep walking. And for the first three days, I was miserable. You know, because this time I'm over there by myself. I don't know anybody. I'm over here by myself. <laughs> well, the Lord tells me a dream. He says, as soon as you start cleaning up trash, that'll change. I'm like, okay. So I start at 5 o'clock in the morning, the first day I start cleaning up trash. Everybody that walked by, good morning, how you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it just opened the door wide open. One guy was so moved by it, he takes his cell phone. He wants to get a selfie picture of me and him together. So he takes a selfie picture. About two hours later, another gentleman shows up, turns his phone around. He's got the picture of me and this other guy on his phone. He starts sending that to all his friends all over Jerusalem. By the end of the day, just about everybody in Jerusalem knew why I was there. After I had been there for about two weeks, the Lord tells me that what I was doing was being seen around the world. And I'm like, okay. The next day I start walking through the, the market area, because that was where I was cleaning up, is in the market area of uh, the old city. I start walking through there, and this Muslim man grabs me by the arm and pulls me inside his store. He says, come here, come here, come here, come here. And he goes and he grabs this big old calculator. I mean, this thing was this big. And he puts it on the counter. He punches 8,000 on this calculator. And I'm like, okay, where's this guy going with this? He tells me that people had been taking pictures of me out there cleaning up trash in this Jesus shirt. And they're sharing my testimony on an Arab Facebook web page. He said it had over 8,000 thousand likes on an Arab Facebook web page cleaning up trash for Jesus. That's pretty amazing. One day I'm walking up to the Jaffa Gate, which is one of the main entrances coming into Jerusalem. On the way up there I hear some people talking really, really plain English, so I knew they was from America, and they were asking for directions. And so I stopped and started talking to him. As soon as I started talking to him, they go, you're the guy that cleans up trash over here. Well, they was from New York City. Before they flew over, they heard about it in New York City, about some crazy guy wearing a Jesus T-shirt cleaning up trash in Israel. Another time, I'm at the Damascus Gate, which the Damascus Gate is like a great big coliseum that leads down in to the gate and I'm sitting about halfway up having some lunch <laughs> and I looked over and I see this guy come walking down and he's got a cell phone up to his head and he's looking at me the whole time that he's talking on this cell phone he gets down the level I'm on and walks right straight over to me hands me the phone and says somebody wants to talk to you well I start talking to this person it was a woman from the country of Jordan which is the neighboring country they heard about it over in Jordan and so she wanted to talk to me. Another time, a pastor stops me. 
He says, I've been coming over here for 26 years. And he says, I've never seen anybody do what you're doing. And I says, it's not that nobody's doing it. I says, there's Christian groups that come over here to Israel all the time and clean up. The problem is they're doing it in plain clothing so God doesn't get any glory for it. When you're wearing this, they don't know who you are. All they see is Jesus. That's all they see. So everything that you do, you know, the Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so by wearing this, you just go out and go do good deeds, and they see it, and it glorifies God while you're doing it. You don't have to say a word. It does it for you. But now if they stop and talk to you, then you get to tell them all kinds of things. You get to share testimonies like I'm doing right now. And so I get to share lots of testimonies with Muslims all the time. I share those acronyms with Muslims all the time. Now, Muslims, for the most part, they're, they're very receptive of the name Jesus. The problem is, is they serve a different Jesus. They don't believe the Jesus that we serve. They don't believe that Jesus hung on the cross. They don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They don't believe that he was resurrected. They believe that uh, Judas Iscariot was actually hung on the cross and died on the cross in his place. And if that's true, then none of us are saved. None of us. So we know that wasn't true. I hate to interrupt. That's all right, brother. These are awesome Mm. testimonies. I appreciate you coming our way. All right, brother. We're fixing to go into our worship period, okay. so would like to, if you folks want to visit with him, please do so in this little short break, and then maybe we'll see him again after. Okay, after thank you, brother. Out. God bless y'all. Thank y'all.